take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everybody says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In today's episode, Jean and I will be talking about social media. Yeah. And social media is a very prominent part of our lives and our culture. Mm -hmm. And even more so now, in the fact that we are all in a shelter in place. Absolutely. I think that technology is something that um, is connecting us and it is connecting us in ways where in the past we, it was not possible. Yeah. I think the connection is happening more off of social media, but still through technology, you know, like face to face video chats with multiple, you know, family members and things like that more than it's just social media connecting us. Yeah, so we'll, what we'll be talking about are the pros and cons of social media. Right. Just, it's part of our lives now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's talk about where it benefits us and, and where it actually hinders us. And so, you know, what you're talking about here is that people are able to connect with each other using technology, not necessarily social media, but using technology as, as we're all challenged to do now is using um, virtual types of platforms so that we can talk to loved ones and family members that we're not able to actually communicate face to face with. You know, when we were kids, there was the Jetsons. Remember the Jetsons? Yeah. And they had that. They had video chat. And I remember, um, what's the mom's name? Not Judy. Judy. Yeah. Um, And she had this like (laughs) mask that made her look like her hair was done and her makeup was all done. So, you know, you'd see her like rolling out of bed, all like disheveled and the phone would ring and she's like, oh no. And then she'd throw on this mask and be like, hello. (laughs) And then she's all done up. All done up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of funny memes that are going around now about, you know, doing a conference call or a video conference call and, you know, like wearing boxer shorts, having a full suit you know, from yeah. the waist up. Yeah, this is kind of the new norm right now. And so everyone is is uh, getting more and more used to looking and talking uh, virtually. Well, you were just interviewed by WGN. Yeah. Were you in a full suit? I, I was in a suit from the waist up and then jeans and, and I wasn't wearing socks. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to do that because, you know, it's easier to throw on a pair of jeans than dress pants. Right. Right. Yeah. I know for sure that, you know, we're working virtually with our clients. So we're doing virtual counseling sessions and I'm 
absolutely wearing, um, you know, like, what do you call those? Leggings, which yeah. I would never wear to the office, you know? Right. Yeah. Just being more comfy. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we're working from home. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a very different way of connecting with people. And it, it is, it shifts our behavior and has shifted our behavior. You know, and social media, it first started out with social media. Mm-hmm. Right. Facebook was the number one place to go. I think it was MySpace before that. Mm-hmm. But then Facebook came around and, you know, it the way that we were able to communicate was just much quicker and much more widespread. And then the features came in where you could instant message and you could, um, you know, video call someone through instant messenger. Um, and then all of the other social media platforms came into play. And there's right now in 2020, there's a top seven social media platforms. There's Facebook, which is still ranking as number one. And they report having active monthly users of uh, 2.45 billion active monthly users. Wow. Does it say how many countries they're in? Uh, No. Okay. It does not. And this is, by the way, an article uh, written by Christy Kellogg, the seven biggest social media sites in 2020. And the second is Twitter with 330 million active monthly users. And the third is LinkedIn with 310 million active monthly users. The fourth is Instagram with 1 billion active users. Is that a bigger number? Yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> that's, that kind of seems really <laughs> weird if... Uh, well, I, you know what? You know what? LinkedIn says, oh, no, it's 310 million. And then Instagram is 1 billion. So I'm not sure why it is ranked fourth, but um, they have more users. Uh, Snapchat is number five with 360 million active monthly users. And number six is Pinterest with 322 million. And the seventh is Reddit with 430 million active monthly users. And there's countless more that we certainly are not aware of. Oh, yeah. And we'll hear about certain things on on the podcast, like kick and (laughs) I can't. I don't know. (laughs) Well, now there's the the biggest thing is TikTok. Yeah, I don't know what that is at all. And TikTok, from what I understand, was a platform designed for people to be able to lip sync or dance to their favorite... um, favorite songs. Um, I'm not sure what it has turned into now, and that's probably kind of um, dating us, (laughs) (laughs) putting us in the, uh, as some of the youngins would call the the boomer category, but we are not boomers. But, you know, we're not here to talk about the differences in in these (laughs) platforms and social media platforms. We're really here to talk about, you know, how it has impacted our lives, how it has impacted our relationships. Because it has had a great shift in mm-hmm. all of our relationships. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about in past podcasts um, how technology itself in general has had a negative impact on relationships because now couples are not spending as much time with each other and they're putting a lot of their energy towards technology. Right. And now this is kind of a, uh, a slice of the pie of technology, as, as you know, as one would say in focusing on just social media itself. But I I think that it it is an important topic to talk about because 
we are connected with more people than we ever would have been in the past. Yeah, I think that for the most part, every, almost every person in my family is on social media, whether it's my my mom who's 77, right. all the way down to, I don't know, your niece maybe, she's 10. My niece and your niece. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, it's, it's like these multi-generational kind of things. And when I think about the different impacts that these different ways of communication have on us, I think that's, that's the interesting thing. And in particular, I think it's interesting with human beings that are developing, you know, because there comes a time in your life, you know, in the beginning of your life, your parents and seeking their approval and um, wanting them to approve of you was most the most important thing. But then you hit your teenage years and it ain't your parents whose attention you want. You no, know? you want your peers now. Yeah, yeah. And you want that acceptance from your peers. And the f- more formal ways of communicating and socializing, you know, that doesn't really happen anymore. And I remember when I was a kid, we had like the one phone number in the house that had like multiple lines connected to it. So if someone else picked up, they could hear your conversation. Or if if you called someone's house, you actually had to ask for the person. You know, if my dad answered, my friends would have to say, is Gene there? And then he'd have to come and get me. And so there was a lot more awareness of what type of communication was happening. And then you would, you know, say, okay, let's go meet here or there. And you'd find a way to go hang out with your friends or maybe call someone that you were interested in and ask them out on a date. Versus now. Yeah. (laughs) Where you can have communication with people and no one else would know. Right. And so, you know, when it comes to teens, you know, that's a big concern. It's a really big concern. Really big concern. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to relationships, like a marriage, you know, between spouses, that's a big concern too, right? Because if you're not getting, you're talking about attention, if you're not getting the attention of your spouse, then who are you going to go get that attention from? Mm -hmm. And with that kind of communication readily available, it's very easy to do it. Yeah, I think that it is a major factor when a couple is sliding on some thin ice that it can push them right over the edge. Because once you get that from someone else, why would you go do the hard work and work on it with your partner? And you can imagine how much of an impact that would be on teenagers who are desperately seeking attention, right? Because that's what teenagers do, and they're not um, always making the best judgment calls. And so it's kind of scary. I think it can also reinforce the idea of the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, for sure. Especially since a lot of social media platforms are about presenting your best self, most often not your realistic self, but your presented self. Well, social media doesn't really allow for a lengthy conversation. So you have a, a, a few seconds or an option to put a picture in front of someone to, to grab that attention, but you can't have a lengthy conversation and have, you know, in-depth conversation. Well, and it's, so it's you com- Snapchat it. Right? It's communication out of context. Oh, 100%. Right? There's yeah. no backstory. So someone kind of can walk in the room and say, 
I hate Toyotas. Right. Right. And and it's just kind of out of the blue and there's no context behind it. And then it starts this whole debate, you know, between people who love Toyotas. And, you know, it's just a silly example, but, you know, it, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. When there's no context, it's very easy to take offense to what someone is saying, to misinterpret what they're saying, and then you know, start this, this uh, verbal escalation. I remember explaining that to one of my nieces that would, you know, maybe put some things out there that she probably shouldn't, you know? And I was like, I want you to think about posting on social media as though you're standing in the middle of the mall and everyone can see you and hear you and it's out there, you know? And that includes grandma and that includes... <laughs> You know, everybody, right? Right, right? And so I think there's this, especially for younger people, maybe more of this anonymous feeling. And in fact, I think the different platforms that show up try to hide more and more and more the responsibility of what you're putting out there. So, you know, when Facebook was out and the kids got on Facebook, well, the moms were on Facebook too and they were they could see what was happening, right? So the kids were like, well, I don't want that. So then they went to like the Snapchat I think they went to Twitter first. I, I, I think you're wrong about that. I don't no, think a lot of kids are Snapchat on Twitter. Snapchat did not come out before or the same time as Twitter. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of kids are on Twitter. No, no. Back in the day <laughs> when, you know, Facebook came out, then the next thing that came out was Twitter. Right. And I think that's when the kids went to Twitter. And then the adults came onto Twitter. And then from Twitter, they went to Instagram and then Snapchat and... Uh, no, TikTok. I, I don't know the progression, but what you're talking about here is, you know, the kids were looking for a way to find privacy away from their parents and so that so the parents don't know what they were doing. Yeah, and I think that it just extended to people who didn't want other people to know what they were doing <laughs> What at, at any age, right? Because on Facebook, you have to... You have to be a friend with whoever you're going to see their stuff or they're going to see your stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, you could send a, a message to someone, but they have to accept it. Right. You know, and they could block you. But And then Snapchat, you have to do that as well. But then you get to Instagram and anyone can see everything or post whatever they want. Yeah. Again, we're not talking about the differences in the media but, platforms. Because... But I'm talking about the form of communication and the impact of that form of communication not necessarily who's doing what because there's a million more out there that I don't even know about I don't even know a lot about these yeah and and a lot of the social media platforms now have overlap like they're doing the same kinds of things just to compete with each other right but each one requires less and less communication skills yes yes it is um text language and a to some degree Right. Or a picture. It, it, it is kind of like a new language, really, mm-hmm. you know, in this, this form of communication. It, it's not like having a conversation with someone across the table and getting in depth about their belief system and who they are as a person and what their, their visions are, right? It's kind of like a, a drive-by type of communication that is limited by images and a few words, and a lot of them are one-way communications. They're not two-way. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, 
I, look at me. I'm putting this out there to the universe. And, you know, please, I, I want people to like it. It's interesting to me the, um, the type of things that go viral and the type of things that people really enjoy. And especially younger people. Like there was that one, it was just a guy eating things. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. He would just, he like drink a two gallon or a two liter thing of pop and then throw up or something. And like, I was like, oh, I love watching that. You right. know, it's just interesting. Like, or, or my nieces, they like watching um, Floam. Yeah. Like how to make Floam. The squishy stuff. On, on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they go on and watch other people do things like play video games. Right. Like they're not even playing. They're just watching. So there's a lot more of this watching business going on than than having to uh, interact with someone or even um, navigate other mm -hmm. people's feelings. Yeah, it's definitely become more of a voyeuristic type of society with these platforms, you know, giving us the uh, the ability to do that. Right. And, and I, I think people don't really have a conversation about it, whether it's parent, child, or partners. Right. And what type of boundaries would be appropriate for each couple and how they would navigate things like that. You know, I know that um, on my professional page, I very rarely uh, accept friend requests from men because these are men I don't know. And it opens up a doorway for communication that I don't, appreciate <laughs> but I'm having a wonderful time friending all these women I don't know mm -hmm. and because of that and, and most of the women that I'm friending are people in the entrepreneurial um, type of arena yeah it's networking yep and, and it and it's networking in a really cool way because and you can hear it on our podcast we've pr probably had what 15 podcasts where we've interviewed people that I met on Facebook right which is really cool because that gives us an opportunity to get beyond our neighborhood or our family in terms of who mm -hmm. we're interviewing. We just interviewed someone in Vancouver and a couple in New York. Right. And it allows us the ability to reach a broader audience mm -hmm. and connect with people who have, you know, more stories that we, we could podcast on. So yes, I mean, in that way, social media has been really beneficial for us. You know, as far as getting our word out there. Last time I checked, we are, our podcast is being listened to in, in 70 countries. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which is really cool, right? Um, for us to have a reach in the United Kingdom or in South Africa, I mean, we had never been able to do that without social media. Oh, with, for sure. Without technology in general, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a little surreal to me because we obviously post a lot. Our business and our personal life are kind of the same thing, right? We do couples work for a living and we're a couple, so it's blends. And we are really uh, strong believers that we need to model the type of relationship that we are uh, teaching people how to have. And so we do post a lot. And it's always interesting to go to a networking event or a family party and everyone is saying, oh, you guys were here or you guys were there. And we have no idea who's seeing our stuff. Right. Right. So it's that that's always kind of a surreal feeling like, I don't know. But I, I think there's a difference here. And that is that 
when we are posting, we're posting about us. We're posting together. We're posting, you know, maybe something is shared on my professional page, but it is also shared on your professional page. And so we're doing this together, you know, from a business perspective. Right. It becomes a problem in a relationship when it divides the couple. Yeah. When they now are, you know, social media gets in in the in between them. And now it, it is separating them. And now they're having conversations and communicating with other people in the world. It doesn't even matter if it's inappropriate communication. It's just now it's taking away time and energy that they could be putting into their relationship together. Sure. And I think when you take it to the next level where you're doing things that would be inappropriate, right? So if you were in the room with someone, like at a party, you probably wouldn't go and sneak off with someone and have a conversation. You would act a little differently than when nobody's watching. And I think the things that happen when nobody's watching make people feel a certain way that drives disconnection in a relationship. Do you talk more about that? Well, at an extreme example, when we see people with a porn addiction, they don't want to have sex with their partner. They, 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 it has to be some shame or something they're feeling inside. They don't want the human interaction. They want this virtual type of interaction. And I, I don't know because I'm not a porn addict and I haven't worked with them. You know, you've worked with a few more than I have, but I've worked with the wives of them and they're like, I don't get it. I'm like right here and he doesn't want me. And yet he's, he's busy doing all this other stuff. And I would think that concept is true besides just pornography, you know, whether it's gambling or whether it's violating some boundary that you know, isn't right. Well, the clients I've worked with porn addiction and, you know, this will probably be another podcast, you know, by itself, but those clients, when they are in a conflictual relationship or just a relationship where they don't feel connected, they seek these virtual types of relationships because there is, they're minimizing the risk of rejection. They're minimizing that risk of being shamed or being guilted or being criticized, you know, all of that uh, that they feel from their spouse. They've felt it before they got into the relationship with their spouse internally, but it is accentuated in the relationship. And with the distance, that is where the the increased acting out behavior occurs. And so if you take that to human beings who are forming, those teenagers, if we get back to them, a lot of them don't even want to be in a relationship. You know, they're used to maybe that buffer of not having to be vulnerable and possibly get rejected, you know, and so if I'm on my phone and I'm swiping right or left, I don't know what either one now, means. Now you're talking dating sites. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know how they get, they're going to develop that resilience and that uh, courage to actually do the tough thing that it takes to be in a relationship. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that more and more where, you know, human beings are, they're swiping human beings, not just on the app, 
but in life in general? Well, what we know about relationships is that conflict is inevitable in every relationship, right? The important thing for couples to be able to do is push through conflict, to lean into conflict so that they can learn what they need to and then get out on the other side a stronger and healthier couple. Well, when you're talking about communicating and having a relationship via social media, via technology, you don't have to push through conflict. Nope. You can you can start conflict just because you want to, but you don't have to resolve it. And so people stop. They just block someone or unfriend someone, and they just drop the person instead of trying to learn more and find a place of understanding in that relationship. And so it is, it's casual. It's so casual that you don't have to go through the difficult parts of relationships. Right. And it's those difficult parts of relationship that is the whole point of relationship. And so all we're doing is sort of pouring salt in the wound and running away. <laughs> right. Instead right. of going, oh, I see that this hurts you. How do we start to heal that? And especially for people that are not yet in a relationship where you don't have that investment of time and energy in the relationship yet, and that's the only way you're communicating. You know, we hear that with young people. They date through texting or through one of the apps more than they do like on the phone. Like they don't call and talk on the phone. Yeah, no one does that. <laughs> or even go out, go out and meet somewhere. And and there's so there's so many things that you don't learn. You don't learn about yourself or another person because you can't really communicate energetically or vibrationally. You you can't get a sense of that person if you're not in the same room with them. If you can't smell them, if you can't see how they move or or what they are emoting well I, I, you know i'll use a, a really great example here and we're doing we have been doing meditation every day yep live on facebook on our couple synergy page and before we start the meditation we hit the gong that's in our meditation room and you know the people who are following us and following the meditation they can hear the gong but they can't feel the vibration of it. Right. Like when you're in the room, you could feel the vibration of the gong go through your body. Which feels awesome. Which feels great. Yeah. Right? But there is just something lost in that communication. And and we're doing it off of Facebook, mm -hmm. you know? So there's something lost in that communication. Hearing the sound is one thing, but feeling it is another. And so you get this whole perspective and when you are communicating through social media, half of it is lost. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, what you're talking about is that nonverbal communication. Right. You know, and that is so important when it comes to attraction, when it comes to understanding another human being, because what, 80% of our communication is nonverbal? Right. And, you know, for animals, it's 100% nonverbal. Maybe they make some... some howling noises or grunting or something like that. But when, you know, the gazelle looks across the Serengeti <laughs> and it sees another gazelle, it knows if that's a match or not. It also knows how the lion feels. And it 
is able to tell all that without any words, but it's our words that help us uh, have to navigate that. And there's this process that I always talk about, and this is true whether it's whatever form of communication, right? If you're not communicating well, there's a thing that I call the dot, dot, dot dance. And it's sort of like Mad Libs. If you guys remember Mad Libs, I'm probably dating myself again. But it's like you ask somebody for a noun and you ask them for a verb and you ask them for an object and they tell you three different things. So maybe they say a bunny and what was the second thing? A place? A verb. (laughs) Um, Jogging and um, book. And then you put it in the sentence and it's like, the bunny was jogging while it was reading a book or something like that. And it comes out all discombobulated. And I know for me, if I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm often asking them to clarify or explain or what do they really mean? And you can't do that when all you're seeing is words or a picture or you don't really know the intention behind things. And so I think it makes us feel um, kind of left out or misunderstood or like there's a miss of communication that I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, when you're talking about the dot, 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 it's actually called an ellipsis. It's a row of three dots. And it stands for an admitted, omitted section of text. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, what's it, it's asking the receiver to fill in the text. Right. All right. And so that could be um, come off as, as potentially flirty or coy. Okay. And this is, it's very interesting because just. Or or dismissive. You don't know which. (laughs) Or dismissive, you know, and, and this is coming from an article called The Secret Emotional Lives of Five Punctuation Marks by Erica Ockrent. But she was just talking about that dot, 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 right? And that how it can be like awkward and it can be left up to misinterpretation you know, and a person is just going to fill in the blanks in whatever it is that they think. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. Obviously we do this kind of work for a living. And so when we're in the beginning stages of working with someone and we're going through really understanding them and their history and they'll say words and they sound like they're saying something, but they're not saying anything. You say, you know, what was your mom like? You know, your typical mom. She was a great mom. She was typical. Great mom. (laughs) And I'm like, typical for who? (laughs) You know, different cultures, different backgrounds, different. What you think is typical is typical of your life, but not another person's. And so those words are very surfacey. Yeah. And then we get into the story. It's like, oh, yeah, she'd had her typical bottle of wine every night and then was (laughs) passed out on the bathroom floor and I'd help her to bed. You know, just very typical. Typical of that person. Right. Or I'm going to superimpose what typical means for me and have no idea if I even had a connection to that person of what they actually meant. Right. And our words are really funny like that. And most of our words are like that when you really get into what do you mean. And you think about, you're talking about punctuation, we don't punctuate much anymore, do we? Not not on social media, not no, through texting. No, not at all. Yeah, we're losing our grammar. We're losing the punctuation. And so you're really, really reading in then about oh, what someone's... It, what this opens the door to is projecting onto people's images and words everything that you believe inside, mm-hmm. whether it is a negative belief or a positive belief. 
you know, I just learned a new uh, visualization for projection. And I always used to say it was like, if the sun is shining on your hand, the shadow that it casts is the projection. But here's the one I just learned. You're standing in front of a fire and you're projecting onto the cave wall. And it's you, you know, it's like your shadow body right. that's on the cave wall. And when someone walks in your shadow in either analogy and there's things you don't like about them, you really think it's them. But it's your shadow. It's your shadow. Yeah. And I don't think that there's enough light through communicating technologically to cast enough of a shadow for you to tell if it's what it really is. So I, I think we're talking a lot about all of the pitfalls of social media and kind of how, you know, how it's impacting relationships and our society. But what can couples do? Well, I think it's like anything else. You know, you have appropriate things that you've decided on as a couple about what's okay or not okay in your relationship. And you should. Right. You should, you should. have those things decided upon. Right. And so most people um, have had the conversations of, are we going to be exclusive or are we not going to be exclusive? Are we going to have girls night out and guys night out? Are we going to travel single or are we going to travel as a couple? How are we doing and managing all those things? And it isn't about a right or wrong. Every couple sets it up different. But what it is about is about what works for each other. And everyone's going to have a different level of comfort or discomfort with whatever topic you're dealing with. And I think the difference with the technology field, and I think this is really true as parents, is how do we navigate this? How do we really, uh, what what's healthy, what's unhealthy, what's appropriate for one relationship or another, how much monitoring should, should or shouldn't we doing, be doing, especially of our kids? You know, and I mean, kids are getting access to their own personal devices younger and younger and younger because the school is requiring it now yeah right and and for safety reasons and all sorts of reasons you and know I, and i think it's it's important to point out that what works for someone else mm -hmm. may not work for you and your relationship right this is a very specific preference that the two of you have to figure out together and if one person has an issue with it it is an issue for the relationship it's not just that person's issue and it challenges the couple to be able to find that balance point where both people feel respected, both people feel appreciated, and feel emotionally safe in their relationship. Yeah, and the reason someone may be comfortable and or uncomfortable, it doesn't, it's not always going to be logical, right? Because this is not a logic thing. I know this one couple that we work with, they're really struggling with that with their children, because they're all locked in the house now. And how do you get in time to play a video game that is probably not appropriate for a five-year-old, but you're all locked in together? Right. The five-year-old's there in the room. And they can see it. So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Or or whatever else, you know, and, and vice versa. Like how much time are the kids on something? Even if it's appropriate, they're not learning other skills that hurt them later in life. And so it really is about conversations and... Um, you know, it's another avenue of exploring yourself as a human being, as an emotional person. And, you know, this idea that you said, if one person has an issue, the relationship has an issue. 
That is so important because when we use the word issue, what we mean is we've bumped into a wound. And if one person has it and the other one doesn't, it's still a problem because you're, you're just dumping salt in it. And if that's how you are in your relationship, your relationship's not going to last very long, which doesn't mean you necessarily need to change anything, but you do need to understand what your partner is experiencing. Right. It doesn't matter whose wound it is. Right. It is the responsibility of the relationship to help heal it and to do that together as partners. Yeah. And I think social media is so such a fast thing. And you hear people talk about this all the time. Like I started uh, tracking how many hours I'm on it and they're so shocked. Oh yeah. Cause it's seven, eight, nine hours a day. Well, I just saw, you know, a good friend of ours is a neighbor and he said, I, I mean, I think he's around our age, if not older. And he said, yeah, I just found TikTok. This is so addictive. And I've been on it for like four hours today. Yeah. Because it's so easy to just kind of fall into, you know, the rabbit hole and, and just go deeper and deeper into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, the whole day has kind of passed you by. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we're in the middle of a spiritual practice. And so we're having one technology-free day a week. And how is that impacting you? What do you, what do you feel? Well, it, it's pretty challenging because, I mean, right now we are on a technology-free day. Right. But we, have to we do the are doing the podcast, right? So and we're, we're recording. And we're meditating on Facebook every day. Correct, right. So we had to plug in a little bit. We couldn't 100% abstain. Correct, right. And, you know, then you have concerns like, well, what if someone calls me, you know, because they need to talk or they need something. And that's really tough to navigate that because if you turn your, your uh, ringer on, then you're going to be getting notification tones of all of your emails and social bing, media. Bing, yeah. Bing. And, and so it's, it's very challenging. It, it's very challenging. And, and I think that this is something that we're all facing here and we, it is our responsibility to figure this out, to figure out what works for you and find a balance because it's not like Gene and I, we like we have this down. You know, we're just as challenged as, as all of you when it comes to finding that balance with this this new factor in all our lives. We had the experience, one of uh, our clients, he decided to give up his phone for the weekend as a little mini walkabout while he stayed home. And I remember him saying, like, I had so much time. Yeah, right. I had so much time. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm feeling today is that, you know, oh, what are we going to do? Because we're not going to do our usual thing. And we're not going to, oops, I'm going to get distracted and work for the next two hours. And then, oh, I dove into that or whatever else. Because a lot of times when we're online, it's it's work related. Right. But um, it's like, well, what are you going to do with those two hours now? And it's kind of fun. I like it. You know, there's got to be balance, I, I think, right? So we should have on time and off time. I think someone else in the practice said they're going to turn their phone off at 11 o'clock at night. Right. Actually, they said that they're not going to bring their phone into their room. Yeah, I love that. But some ways of being off and on and building a structure around that is going to be beneficial for everyone in the home. So we want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. 
And we hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And if you have creative ideas about how you guys are managing your technology, please share it with us. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.